just didn't eat that. And so, so it's cheating for sure. And they got these guys dead to rights. They're going to, they're prosecuting them. The trial starts the end of this month and, and um, they could go to jail for four or five years. They st- because of the cheating, they, they won more than 300000 almost $400,000 worth of, of stuff. And, uh, and, and again, it, it just got greedy. If they had just cheated a little, maybe they wouldn't have been caught. But because they won so much, everybody knew nobody's that good. Nobody's that good. Something's going on. And it's that, that thought. That, that's what, uh, for the sermon, that's why I'm bringing it up. There's nobody that good. Somebody's cheating. Uh, that's why I tied this, this deal to that. When Christians get accused of doing something uh, shady, normally the accusation made against a Christian is, you're hypocrites. You're hypocrites. There's no way you're doing all the things you're talking about. And so, uh, so the, the outside of the church world delights when, it's, when especially a, some, a great leader is caught doing something foolish. Because the, clearly you guys don't really believe this. Nobody really believes this. And see, proves you're all just hypocrites. You're all just lying. You're all just uh, pretending. And, 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 and certainly nobody wants to be called a hypocrite, right? And, 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 and it comes mostly... Usually, when it comes, it hits somebody who has been kind of outspoken and judgmental about other people's problems while all the time hiding their own. And so the solution ought to be more authenticity. You know, just be authentic. Just be authentic. It doesn't mean you can't have an opinion about the things that people do or certainly about the things that you do. It means you can't, it doesn't mean you can't, you can't say, I think our country is on a bad path or those kinds of things. You can certainly say those things. But you say them without judgment. You're, not, you're, not, you got, you're full of grace because you know that in the right situation, you're capable of a lot of stupid behavior. I mean, you know in the right situation that you could maybe be in a, a hole just as deep as the other person. So, so as a Christian, the solution is to be more authentic. You know, take a closer look at my family. Take a closer look at my life. And, and yeah, you're going to see some problems there, but you're going to see a person who's really trying. You're going to see a person who really cares. I mean, really investigate me. That should be the solution. But what I found sometimes with Christians is the solution they opt for is more of an apathy. You know, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not nuts about it like some people. Yeah, I believe, but I don't take it too seriously, you know. Or I believe, but it doesn't occupy every part of my life. And, and I, I mean, I, I know the temptation of that. When I first became a Christian, that was tempting. In the high school, nobody at the high school cared that you went to church, but they did care if you got real serious about your faith, if you were talking about it a lot. People did care about that. And you could lose a lot of popularity. You could lose a lot of friends. You could not get invited to all the right events. And so, so you learned how to be a double agent in school. And as an adult, you've learned how to maybe hide your faith. We learn not to talk about religion or politics, and we can kind of keep this part quiet because we don't want to offend anybody. And, and, and if they do corner us, what do you believe? Well, I, you know, I believe it, but I don't, I don't get you know, crazy about it. I, I, I'm, you know, it's just, I, I, and it's more of an apathy. And my fear with that, and I think the motive for it again comes because you don't want to be exposed as a hypocrite. The, the the motive is I don't want people to think that I'm I'm fake, so I'll only do what I really feel. And of course, if you live that way, then you'll probably not do anything real powerful for Christ. Imagine if an athlete did that to his coach. Coach, if I don't feel it, I just can't push. I'm only going to push as long as I feel it. You know. Or if a student did that, I'm only going to study hard when I really feel like studying. If I don't feel, I don't want to be fake. Everybody think I'm fake. You know what you call a student like that? 
A D-plus student is what you call a student like that. You know they're not, gonna, they're not going to achieve. You know in order to have the life that you really want, sometimes you have to push yourself far beyond what you really want to do, what you really feel. And it's not being fake, that's just being disciplined. And, I, and so as a Christian, we can't, we can't always take the path of, I mean, nobody wants to get accused of cheating. Nobody wants to get accused of being fake, but, but we can't choose a path of, 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 uh, of apathy or we'll never ever become the people that we want to be. No, to me, the solution is more authenticity, more passion as we continue to pursue God's very best for us, as we continue to pursue what God has in mind for us to be. So I just wanted to focus on a couple of verses, really just, uh, just three, uh, these three. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. It says, you were once darkness, Paul says, but now you're light in the Lord. So live as children as light, and for the fruit of the light, he says, is goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. I just want to focus on that verse. I think it's a cool section anyway. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in it, but I just wanted to kind of highlight a couple things. The first one is this, your light. What I would expect Paul to say here is, you know, try to be like light. You know, it's a complicated world we live in, a lot of darkness. Try to do the right thing. Uh, do the best you can. That's what I would expect Paul to say, but he doesn't say that. He says, you are light. You're already there. Now, a lot of the Ephesians, if I were to say it to you, Mount Pleasant, you are light, you are saints, you are holy. You might say back to me, well, I don't feel very holy, or I don't feel very much like light. I don't feel like a saint at all. And, 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 and that language, of course, puts alarms off in your head. I don't want anybody thinking I'm a hypocrite. They may think I'm cheating. Oh, you're doing too good. Clearly something's up. But Paul doesn't seem to be scared about that. Paul says, as soon as you became a believer in Christ, you were moved. You were darkness. Now you're light. You were lost. And now you're in Christ. Like if this page here is, is my life and this is Christ, well, I'm, I'm in Christ now. So wherever I go, he goes. And whatever he wants to do is what I want to do. I'm still me, but I'm in Christ. And he says, you're light. You're not, you're not like you used to be. You're, you're, uh, you're different now. You're not who you used to be, and you're not supposed to think like you used to think and do those things. You're, you're, you're light now. So live as children of light. Max Lucado has a story, and I don't Oh, usually like to use Max Lucado stories because they're kind of corny, and th this one's kind of corny too. But 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 he tells a story about uh, the electricity going off in his house, and he goes back to a back closet, and uh, and he gets some candles to take out. As he's walking out with the candles, the candles say, "We're not going out there," and which kind of shocked him because the candles are talking. Hey, what's going on? And the candle says, "Yeah, we're not going out there." And the first candle says, "I'm not prepared." for that. I've been reading about how to be better, but I, I can't be a light yet. And the second one says, well, I'm, I've got some sin issues in my own life. I can't go out there and, and be light. And the third one says, well, that's not my gift. My gift is to encourage others to go be light. My gift's not to go do it myself. And, and they all had excuses. And so finally, Lucado lays the candles down and goes back out. And his wife says, where's the candles? And he says, well, he didn't want to come. And she says, oh, they're church candles. <laughs> like I said, it's a little corny. But, but the point but the point, right, I think is a good one. I think as Christians, we're told to be a certain thing, and yet we have all sorts of reasons why we can't, right? If I say that you or you or you need to go out and share your faith, that you 
need to go be a light in a dark world. Immediately the excuses come into the head. Well, I'm not gifted for that. I wouldn't know what to say. I'm not, I'm not one of those kind of guys, you know. I'm not one of those who are, uh, who are fired up. I don't know enough, but you do. You know who Jesus is, so tell him. So tell him. Live like it. You were dark, and now you're light. You already know and have enough. And then the same verse here, towards the end, he says, the, the fruit of the light is goodness and righteousness and truth. All three of these words are, are, are action words, but they're not, they're not so much feeling words, right? It doesn't matter if you feel good. It just matters if you are good. It doesn't matter if you feel righteous. It just matters if you are righteous. Are you doing what you're supposed to do? They're all decision words. They're all action words. And goodness and righteousness and truth is a lifestyle. I'm going to make plans to get to this place. Again, thinking of the athletic metaphor, an athlete might not might not feel like uh, they can do it at all, right? They might, or, 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 or let's go a different direction. An athlete might talk a good game. An athlete might say, oh yeah, I'm a great, great, great athlete. Well, I remember we, uh, uh, at camp one year, uh, one of the youth, it was a long time ago, I was, I was in Tennessee, one of the youth groups uh, came and, and the five kids in the youth group who were all friends, they all had like NBA jerseys on when they got to, 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 to we were playing ball in the afternoon, they're all wearing NBA jerseys. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Here's somebody serious. Well, they were terrible. You know, just, just terrible, terrible players. Not, not one of them could do anything. And they're, they're watching the ball as they're dribbling. Just awful uh, uh, kind of stuff. But they all, had, they all looked good until we actually started playing. You wouldn't know, right? But it doesn't matter what you look like. You either are or you aren't. Well, Paul, Paul, or Paul talking in Ephesians here, goodness, righteousness, truth. Just be disciplined, just be disciplined. It doesn't mean you have it all figured out. This is just where I want to go, you know? A, a person decides to get in shape, and they go to the gym, and, and uh, the guy at the front door says, you can't come in here. You're not in shape. Well, I know I want to get in shape. No, no, no. No hypocrites here. It's not hypocrite to want to get in shape. That's just discipline, right? Did I pop it? When did it go off? Do I got to say all that again? Good morning. <laughs> How y'all doing? Um, got a fishing story. Anyway, okay. So, so here we go. The, 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 um, I'll try to pick up where I was at. It's just being disciplined. One last thing here on this verse that I think was kind of cool. He says, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, find out. Now, how do, you, how do you know if it pleases God or not? Well, it'll have certain effects on you. If his spirit is working in your life, you should see more love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You should see more of those things. I mean, they may not pop up all at once, but you should see more of it. 
I mean, you should, you should find it easier to want to pray. You should find it easier to want to be with other uh, people. You should, you should find it easier, Christians, and, 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 to, and to do the things that he wants. Find out what pleases God, you know? Find out what pleases God. My fear with the apathetic approach that so many people take to, to, to church is that it, it inoculates you from Jesus. You get just enough Jesus to make you immune from the real thing. Just enough Jesus to make you miserable about your faith, but not really free enough of Jesus to really enjoy being outside of faith either. It's like the worst of all the worlds. So find out what pleases God. Find out what he enjoys and what he appreciates and what he loves and, and, and delve into that as hard as you can. That first word there, find out, is one Greek word. It's a doximako. It, it's a, it's a metal, metallurgy word. It's, it's what a, a guy will do to, to see if the gold is really pure. You know, to melt out all the impurities. Find out. Test it. You know, look at your life. And, and again, that's not hypocrisy. And that's not cheating. That's just ambition. That's just discipline. It's, it's, it's making a decision that this is the kind of life I want to have. And I'm going to go after that as hard as I can with God's help. And, and again, be as authentic as you can. Be open about your struggles. Admit to people when you're falling down. Don't feel like you've got to be somebody you're not. You're growing and find out what God most admires. Okay. Uh, uh, so, what pleases God? Uh, as a church, we talk about three things. And I just wanted to hit on them real fast. Uh, these ought to be familiar to you. If, they've, if they're not, I hope they can become familiar to you. When we talk about what pleases God, I think there's, there's three big areas as Christians you ought to major in. Um, the first is uh, you need to know him. You need to know God. Now, to know God, it's going to require that you study your Bible and, and that you pray. And both those things are not going to come natural to people. If you've never really been part of church, it's not, a no, a, a, not an unusual thing for somebody to say, well, I'm not much of a prayer. Well, no, of course not. You're, not, not. you're new to church. Or I'm not much of a Bible reader. Well, sure, it's a great big hard book. Don't feel bad about that. It, it takes a while to get, to get into it and get through it. But you start. Right. If you if you never read much before, you start with the stories of Jesus, and you just go into those, and you read read through those stories. If 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 uh, if if you're not much of a prayer, then you start. I would start with something where you're just maybe walking and praying. You know, take a, a short walk and pray, or find some quiet room in your house and 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 list out four or five things you're thankful for, and one or two people that you're concerned about, and and just start there. And you may have to be real disciplined about it. It may not flow naturally at first, and that's all right. But if you want to please God, you've, you've got to start there. Jeremiah talks about that. He says, uh, this is what the Lord says. Is it, it, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or, or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they, they have understanding to know me, that I'm the Lord. If you're going to brag about anything, God says, this is the thing you want to brag about because at the end of our lives, it's the only thing that's going to matter. It's the only thing that's going to count. Did you get close to God? Do you know him? Do you, do you, do you, have you studied? And, 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 you know, church is part of that. When you come here on Sunday morning and we worship together and you listen to a sermon, that's, that's, that's a start. But it, but it needs to be more than that. And, 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 and I'm going to continue to beat this drum as long as I'm here. So um, just know that's coming. As a Christian, we've got to be a people who take time to read and to pray and to, and to get better. And in the interest of authenticity, let me tell you that sometimes it's hard. 
Sometimes it's hard to, you know, so many things go on in a day or, or so many things are happening. And it's easy to kind of walk away from it for a while. But I always come back. Jesus did. If there was ever a person who, who could say he didn't need pray or prayer, it would have been Jesus. But, but Jesus is praying all the time. He gets up early in the morning and he goes to pray before anybody else is awake. The disciples say, teach us to pray like you do, Jesus. You, you've got something figured out. And, and on the last night he was alive with his disciples. He, he, he went off to, by himself and with them and they prayed. And, and again, God, not my will but yours. And his whole life was characterized by that. And if Jesus needed it, then I do. So that's the first thing, if you want to please God. Second thing, you need to learn to love other people. You need to learn to love other people. It's not a normal, it's not an unusual thing, excuse me. It's not an unusual thing for somebody to say, I'm just tired. I need time by myself. Anybody could feel like that. You know, don't, don't, don't feel bad if you have those kinds of moments. But this shouldn't characterize your whole life. Your whole life should not be characterized by a hunger to get to your Barca lounger and watch four hours of television before you go to bed every night. Your whole life should not be characterized uh, by, by just wanting to rest. That whatever your hobbies are or whatever your, your, your things you do to kick back. There's nothing wrong with, with, uh, with TV or fishing or camping or sports or any of those kinds of things. But there is something wrong with wasting your life. And your life is never going to be primarily about those kinds of things. It's always about people. Always. When it comes to your funeral, the only thing that's going to matter is the people that you touched. The people that you connected with. The people that you impacted. And Jesus knew about that too. If anybody could say that they were too busy for people, it would have been Jesus. I got a job to do. And yet he just never does that. He just never quits. Uh, uh, he's constantly getting interrupted. There's, there's a story pretty early where he's going to heal somebody, and the, and the, and the girl is, is on her deathbed, and you need to hurry, Jesus. But, but somebody stops him. Can we talk for a second? And he'll stop and talk to him. He, he does it to Zacchaeus. He's going into town, and there's this guy, Zacchaeus, hanging out in a tree, which is kind of its own weird story. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. Let's talk. Let's have, let's have lunch. I mean, even when he's on the cross, even when he's about to die, he, he, he stops and he responds uh, to, 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 the, to the thief beside him on the cross, to, to his mother who's in front, and John, the, the disciple who's, who's, who's grieving. He, 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 he has time. There's never a time when he is so focused on himself that he doesn't have time for others. His whole life is characterized by it. And Paul says, that's how we're to be. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another because whoever loves has fulfilled the law. If you want to be a good Christian, then love people real well. That's the trick. That's all it is. If you get to where you can love people real well, then you have done everything the law requires, says Paul, says Jesus, and, and I, I believe that too. One uh, thing at camp this week, last week in summer camp, we had a speaker come and, and, and for teen week, and he did a real good job. But he made a throwaway, what I thought was kind of a throwaway line in the middle of one of his sermons. And it has, I've been talked to about it four or five times. And a couple times in the last week, which is weird because now we're, we're five months away from, from Teen Week. And I had two different people this last week remind me about this thing that the guy said in his sermon. And so I think it's interesting, and it kind of relates to what we're talking about. He mentioned in the Bible there was a guy named Barnabas, and Barnabas was an encourager. And he sees Paul not doing anything, and so he goes and grabs Paul and says, Paul, won't you come and do some things? And that kind of gets Paul lit up. And Paul starts writing Bible books, and he's starting churches and doing all these other different things. And then Paul, once he gets started, he grabs a guy named Timothy and says, I want to pour into you. 
And so you got Barnabas pouring into Paul and Paul's pouring into Timothy. And, and, and the point the guy made in the sermon is you need to have a Barnabas who's pouring into you. But you also need to have a Timothy that you're pouring into. Now, if the whole walk of Christ is a scale of 1 to 10, you may feel like, well, I'm only a 2 myself, but there's somebody smaller than you. There's somebody who's getting started, and, and they're even less experienced. And so you need to find somebody and, and bring them along. You need to invest in other people. And you need to be disciplined about it. Like, like, like here's somebody that I'm hoping to, to, to bring along. It can be a, a, a family member. It can be... It probably might be a friend already, and that's, that's okay. You don't have to go seek somebody brand new. But it's just trying to pour what you know into someone else. But you also need somebody above you who's done it too, who's already been those things, and, and who cares about you, and who loves you, and who encourages you. And, they're poor, and Jesus did all that. We know he had the 12 disciples underneath of him, but he also had friends that he would go hang with, Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, and he would go spend time with them. And they would have him in their house. And, and, and when he wants to go pray at the end, because he's so stressed, he takes three guys with him to go pray. Jesus knew, Jesus had guys who were pouring into him too, and, and you need that. And you need guys that you're pouring into. And, and you need to be disciplined about it. Don't just float through life. It's not, you're not being fake to say that I, I want my life to count. You're not being fake to say, I want my life to be significant. It, it, it's, it's just being disciplined. So you, 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 you choose ahead of time. Who are you going to invest in and who have you got that's investing in you? And if you can't think of anybody in either of those situations, then I want you to, that's your first thing to pray about this week. God, open my eyes. Help me see who I can pour into and who can start pouring into me. All right, last thing, what pleases God? Well, you got to serve. You just got to serve. Uh, Paul says, serve wholeheartedly. As if you're serving the Lord and not people, because you know the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do. Now, you can read this, and it's not a bad reading of it, that what Paul's saying here is if you serve real hard here one day in heaven, you'll get a reward for it, right? Like, I'll, I'll have one level of mansion, and Gabe will have a different level. And if I serve more than Gabe, my mansion will be bigger. And if he serves more than me, then, then his will be bigger, right? I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think that's what Paul's saying here at all. I think the reward is in this life. I think he starts changing you. And I think it comes when we serve. I think it comes when we take the gifts and the blessings that God has given us and we leverage them to bless other people. If you want to please God, you've got to learn to serve. And not just serve, but serve wholeheartedly. Uh, just to, to take an example. Downstairs, there's lots of volunteers who volunteer for the kids' ministry, like all the different ministries that we do. And there's lots of people who are volunteering for that, and they're doing the best they can in there. I'm sure they are. But some people, if you were to ask them deep down, they feel like they're just filling a hole. They needed a person to teach. I agreed to teach. Here I'm teaching, and that's what I do. And it means nothing more than that. They're just filling a hole. They're putting in their time. Julia says, hey, can you serve in the kids' ministry one week a month? And, and, then, and then, yeah, I can do that. So they, they've put their time in. But if that's all you see it as, as you putting your time in, it's the easiest commitment in the world to break. If all you're doing is filling a hole, then anything in the world can get in the way of it. I mean, uh, oh, I just, you know, I just uh, was wanting to go uh, on a trip this weekend. Or, oh, you know, we, we, uh, I got some family in. Or, oh, you know, I got kind of a head cold. Now, that head cold wouldn't stop you from anything else in the world. But I just don't feel like I want to give it to the children. And so, and so you, you, you back out of it. Because, again, if you're just filling a hole, then anybody can fill a hole. Right? If you're just filling a hole, anybody can fill a hole. But if you're serving wholeheartedly... Well, it just feels different. 
Sometimes I'll talk to a teacher down there who's serving wholeheartedly, and, and I'll say, I say, how, how are you able to get up for this like you do every week? And they will say, with great consistency, if I ask this question, the person will say, you know, I get more out of it than they do. I learn more than they learn. I mean, I wouldn't miss this for anything in the world. And it's not just like that with the kids' ministry. It's like that with any ministry. I mean, you'll see somebody who's, who's doing some project around here. Man, how are you doing all this? Man, I, 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 I love this stuff. It means something to me. And a person who approaches it that way, well, they're changed. I mean, you can't, you can't come into service with that kind of attitude without it, without it chipping away at your own hard heart. You can't. I mean, a teacher down there with the kids who comes out of there, I got more than they did. Well, they did. They're not just saying it because God's working on their heart. I mean, I mean, at, at, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I want to make some sort of a difference in this world. I mean, don't, don't you? I mean, I, I read the paper and I look, I look at the news and I talk to people. It just seems like everybody in the world's hungry for hope and, and we could change things. I'm not just filling a hole. I mean, I mean, there's stuff to do. We, we started this ministry a couple of, of, of months ago. We're going to make beds for, for kids who don't have beds. We didn't know how many kids there would be, and Josh will talk about this more in a little bit, and, and it's just been awesome how people have come out of the woodwork saying that they need help more than we knew. You know, we thought we might make 40 or 50 and be done, and it looks like we're going to do quite a bit more than that, as, as there are a lot of families that can't afford it. Now, sometimes when we do benevolence work uh, for people, when we help people out with different things, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm just kind of filling a hole. You know, occasionally we get lied to. Occasionally somebody will come and say, hey, can you help me? And then you find out later they took the money and they just spent it on, on something awful. Or, 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 or you were paying them money, but that money was just going to pay for some, some terrible thing. It never, it never did any good. But the beauty of this bed ministry is that even if the parents... Some of them might be in some trouble. I mean, the kids aren't. And the kids are blessed by it. And, we're, 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 you know, and there might be one kid, right, who, 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 who can go to sleep every night and they see that bed and they know there's a God in heaven who loves them. Or at the very least, they know there's a church in the county who cares about them. You know, if, if nothing else is going right, when they go to sleep every night, they're going to be reminded that God cares about them. And I, I mean... What else would you want to give your life to? I mean, what else would be worth the expenditure of your one and only life? And so we serve wholeheartedly. We're not just serving uh, people. We're serving God. And, and, and if we make this decision and really commit to it and, and really throw ourselves in, man, there's nothing that breaks that. I mean, I, I'm... I'm a change agent for the king. I, I'm not going to let a head cold stop me. I mean, I'm, I, if, if, if I really believe in whatever this thing is, then I'm going to throw my whole self at it. And if I really throw my whole self at it, I'm going to find out that that pleases God. And he'll change me. He has changed me. And he will continue to do it. We commit like Jesus did. You know, Jesus washed feet, and Jesus lived poor. And as Jesus became famous, uh, he certainly wouldn't have had to stay poor. You know, he could have taken all that money and built himself a nice house and gotten very comfortable. But he never does. I have so much to learn about wholehearted service by just following Jesus' example. And so I want to be like him in that too. 
And I want to find out what pleases God. You know, the, the, when I make that commitment to follow him, he starts pouring his spirit in my heart. And I have more love and joy and peace and patience. I start, I start becoming somebody different. I start uh, seeing the world different. Left to my own devices, and even in church, I can be kind of lonely and angry and, and distant. But when I, when I really am pouring myself into my, my, my daily time with God, deep relationships here at the church, and a ministry that matters to me and, and to others, that's the best life. The reason why I keep beating this drum is it's the best life. As we wind down here, and, and our sermon is almost uh, over, I want to tell you that uh, it's possible that one of you has some issue that you need to get right with God. And it may not be anything I was talking about, maybe something else altogether. And I want you to know that, that this stuff is too important, too uh, pressing to keep putting it off. So take some time today to pray. At the end of the service, we're going to sing a couple of songs. And if you need to pray, there will be people on both sides who you can pray with. And just go ask them. Uh, you know, you don't say anything. Just, hey, pray for me, and they'll pray for you. If you need to make a decision, you can say, I, I need to get right with God. And they'll help you walk through the steps you need to do to make the next step. If you say, well, I don't want to walk up in front where people might see me. There will be somebody back by the back door, and you can go to them, and, and they'll probably have a name tag on there, and you can say, hey, would you pray for me? And they'll take you to one of the side rooms there, and they'll pray with you, and, uh, and we can use that too. As a, as a chance, but, but take advantage of the moment, right? Sing with passion. Ask God to move in your heart to, 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 to really break down the walls. Give everything you have to this moment. And even in this moment, see if God doesn't bless you. Find out if it doesn't please the Lord. Let me pray with you, and I'll have the band come back up. Dear Lord God, I thank you for this group. God, there's so many here who, who I know are carrying a load of some sort. Maybe, God, there's some people here who, who are uh, uh, feeling the weight of, uh, of this life. They're feeling the weight, God, of, of, uh, of their work and their family. Maybe they've struggled real hard to, to manage that themselves, and, uh, but it's not taking them where they want to go. And, God, if there's anybody there like that who's heard me today talking about it and they want to tie themselves tight, tighter to you, then I pray you give them the courage, God, to take a step. I thank you, God, for your grace that you'll take us back if we ask. In Christ's name, amen. Stand up, please. <laughs>